According to your research and statistics from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, an average of seven children and teens die from gun violence every day in the U.S. And your book chronicles the stories of 10 children and teens who lost their lives on November 23, 2013. What made you decide to write about gun violence against young people in the U.S., and why did you choose to do so by focusing on personal stories? I was based in the U.S. at the time. I had lived there for 10 years, and there were a couple of things. First of all, if you're not American, gun culture is a very alien thing if you're from the West. I mean, no other country has this issue, this problem. And I did a magazine piece that kind of researched this very... Well, it was a magazine piece, so it was 4,000 words, and uh, and I thought you could do a book on this because these children who were killed, it's such a, I'm going to say, unremarkable part of the American kind of social infrastructure. You know, when I lived in Chicago before I left, but even when I lived in New York, it was a thing that came on after the news. A child was shot in this area or something. Each individual one provoked no moral outcry. And so I wanted to find out, well, who are these kids? Who are these kids? They're falling every day, seven a day. is a stunning statistic. Who are they? What do they want? What do they want to be? People think they know who they are. I want to find out who they are and I want to find their families. And so let me pick a random day so I won't game it and I won't try and find the most exciting or the most emblematic or the ones that were killed by cops. I will take them as they fall. That leads really well into my next question, which is these stories span many cities and towns in the U.S., and you write that individual deaths often lack the national media attention that, say, a mass shooting would, even though mass shootings mm. represent a small portion of yearly gun deaths. Mm. Do you believe gun violence against young people is a broader problem geographically than the U.S. media would lead people to believe, You know, not just in major cities with a reputation for large numbers of shootings? Uh, yes, most certainly. On the day that I chose, one boy was in a small town in North Carolina. One was in a very rural area in Michigan. And one was in a suburb in um, Ohio. Of the other seven, I'd say most of them would have died in places that would not particularly sort of shift the American imagination much. But that's, that's three out of ten. And I think one of the, I do think it's more widespread. I think that accidental shootings, or what are sometimes uh, referred to, depending on the uh, incident, negligent uh, shootings that emerge from negligence, are also uh, more common. But I think, you know, it speaks to a broader issue that the book tries to draw out, is people think they know who these kids are that they are likely to be in gangs, that they are likely to be, you know, of a certain kind of kid. And the more reporting I did, the more I found out that they didn't know at all, that, that the assumption about who the kids are and who the parents are was usually way off. And I could look at the comments underneath the stories about their death, and then you'd find the parents and you'd hear about the children, and you'd be like, that is a doting mother, and that was a dutiful son. 
and you know the assumption about like well why didn't these parents know where their kids were and what are these kids doing when they're out at night and what you find out in one case was he was walking his friend home after a night playing Uno, watching Weird and Millers and drinking cocoa. His mum, who loved him dearly, knew exactly where she was, where he was. He just, she just couldn't save her. If you had the ear of the president or secretary of education, Betsy DeVos, what would you want to say about the problems and solutions surrounding protection of our country's students? I would suggest before they even got to guns, a robust mental health service that was accessible and affordable, that would save a lot of lives. A Marshall Plan for American cities, one of the wealthiest countries on earth. These are American citizens. And um, just as America helped rebuild Europe after the Second World War, it should, with a similar amount of zeal, invest resources in its cities. And it should invest in its youth. Youth services, youth clubs, all of those things that give young people a place to go, that's not the street, and give them something to do that is not just hanging around, will result in less death. And finally, invest in jobs. Young men, and this is overwhelming, it's not uniquely, but two out of seven of the kids on an average day who die are female. So five are male. Young men who have the prospect of work are more likely to be in long-term relationships. Those men who are in long-term relationships are more likely to children that they parent. People who are in long-term relationships with dependents are more likely to seek full and steady life. For that, you need jobs. Without jobs, and the prospect of people uh, being in long-term relationships is very limited and their ability to raise families is very limited and so you end up with whole communities with extended periods of adolescence when they might be getting on with adulthood. This is not a book about gun control. This is a book about what happens when you don't have gun control. So those are all things that I would whisper to him that have nothing to do with guns. Guns don't help but there's a range of things that you can do before you even get into one of those, what I call very shallow conversations about the Second Amendment. And continuing along this vein of solutions, uh, particularly the solution for better education, the need for better education, you also mm. write in the book that getting rid of guns is not generally seen as a solution, but that child gun deaths are understood in the same way as car accidents. So could you explain why eliminating gun violence is not simply a matter of gun control laws and then more broadly how education could help this problem? Gun violence is about guns insofar as you can't have gun violence without guns. There are a wealth of things that can mitigate the chances of young people dying. So if you're more wealthy and you're more likely to live in an area that's well-policed, you're more likely to have better youth services and good schools, then even though you're living in a country, in the same country as someone who may not live that far away from you but has none of those things, you're less likely to be shot. And so one of the reasons why it's interesting to concentrate on children is because while it's possible to talk about personal responsibility, we all know as developed Western societies that there is a collective responsibility for children. That's why we have child protection services. We understand that children are like adults. 
the main place where the state intervenes in terms of children is education. If a child feels that they have promise, that they have chances, that they have hope, they're much more likely to be ensnared in a cycle of pathologies that might lead to their early death. An awful lot of the children that I write about in this book who happen to die on that day are living communities where other kids are dying, with where they are used to children dying, used to children being incarcerated. And it costs a lot more to incarcerate a child than it does to educate them. And as one doctor on the south side of Chicago said, you know, we, we're amazing, a, a cohort of kids with PTSD. They're surrounded by death and very few opportunities, and so they, you know, live this risk-taking life where they won't plan for their future because they don't think they have one. Education, it seems to me, is a place where you might start in terms of ensuring that children feel that they have value and potential. Unfortunately, what I saw the whole time I was in the States, and I have two American kids, was that in the areas most likely to be riddled by gun violence, the schools feel more like prisons. Metal detectors coming in, police in the schools in Chicago, um, and a sense of suspicion that the, um, the children who do go to school are not really kind of there to learn, but to, you know, to do something else and have to be handled almost like they're in an occupied territory. So to me, that's not the ideal environment in which to tell a, tell a, a child or a young person that they are valued. What then do you believe is the responsibility of educators and parents to both work against and help children understand gun violence in their own schools and communities? I think they have to do everything that's in their power to keep them safe. Of course, it involves telling them about what guns can do and what they should do if they see one, what they should do if their friend is carrying one, and so on. But I just think that's only going to go so far unless parents and teachers are working together to create the kind of environment and the kind of prospects that make the situations where children might get shot less likely. So, you know, fighting for making sure there are the kind of resources that means when you're 16 and 17, there is somewhere else you might go that's not hanging out on the street if you don't want to be at home. It's not new that 16 and 17 year olds push against boundaries, but there's nowhere else for them to go in most places because there's no kind of youth services. I don't think that young Americans are any more violent than young people anywhere else in the Western world. And I don't think that American parents are any more negligent. I don't believe that American teachers are any less caring. The issue has to be, well, what, you know, what is it about what's going on in America that is making these things possible? Well, one of those things is certainly, in my view, the access to lethal weapons, but it's not the only thing. In touching on the Sandy Hook shooting, you wrote in the book that children comprise this special category, the most vulnerable and the most in need of protection. But when discussing these strategies, the focus often shifts from conversations about guns to children's innocence and moral purity. So could you say more about why this is a problem? You take a, a, an issue like uh, Sandy Hook, and it takes an issue like Sandy Hook for a large number of people to wake up 
see what the potential is because suddenly people think that could be my child. Whereas, as one of the people I interviewed said, if a kid gets shot with a stray bullet in the south side of Chicago, then a large section of people think, well, that couldn't be my child. That when you start dealing with the worthy victim as opposed to all victims, all children, you shift from saying, this shouldn't happen to children, to it shouldn't happen to children like this, but it should happen to children like that. Particularly if you're African-American uh, or Latino, and to a lesser extent, but nonetheless, if you're poor, by the time that you are 16 or 17, you may have a criminal record for a minor offence. You may have a criminal record for a major offence. You may have been suspended from school. You may not be an A student. There may be a range of ways in which you can be counted out of being in a worthy category, and therefore your death can be dismissed. And that's what I think an awful, happens an awful lot of the time, that people say, wow, that child was affiliated with a gang. That's why he died. And I think that's just unacceptable. It's a child. That child did not create the world in which they grew up in. The affiliation with the gang may be minor, maybe because the gang runs the block in which he grew up, and therefore there is no way not to be affiliated. And this is partly why I think America has become numb to this. On some level, it feels that the children that are being shot in some way deserve it because of where they live, because what their parents do or don't do, because of the way that they're policed. So there are places in American cities where kids are expected to be shot, where the fact that they're shot doesn't really change how people think about that city or that kid or the way America should be. And I think that's unacceptable. So I think that it's important to move away from the notion that only those who are assumed to have moral purity are the ones that deserve our sympathy or our empathy. Most of the children in my book, random sampling, had messy lives. But that doesn't mean that they deserve to die in their teens.